Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got Mars. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. They're all gonna laugh at you. Hey, everybody. What's up? And welcome back to another episode with the Jersey Ghouls. And summertime means summer reading. And so we are joined today by, at least in my world, I don't know. (laughs) So we are joined by two awesome, very readers, in my opinion, Jackie. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, Joining us again for the second time, we want to welcome back Booktuber, Bookstagrammer, our favorite internet spooky girl, Elizabeth Sagewood. And from Fright School, Joshua, dear, near and dear to our hearts, not so much near because he's across the country, but near in spirit to our hearts, Joshua, uh, welcome back. Both of you, welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us on our fun adventure today. Yay! (laughs) So yeah, so we're thrilled to be joined by you guys because I would argue that, uh, my dog, sorry, I would argue that you guys are so well-read when it comes to horror that we are so excited to have your perspectives on today's topic. So this one was a little bit of a, this is, we'll call it like the pet project for me. Um, as, as many of you know, I am the R.L. Stein girl of the group, uh, have the collection, love it, can't get enough of the nostalgia and the YA horror. And on more than one occasion, I think I have spoken to all three of you separately about YA horror. And you all mentioned Christopher Pike at one point, and I've said, oh, I've never actually read Christopher Pike to what usually is, like, you know, the mouth agape, you know, you've never read Christopher Pike. Uh, so when, when we got, when we had the idea for this, uh, for this particular episode, the two of you, uh, Elizabeth, Joshua, you were the first two people that I immediately texted. I was like, hey, this is the idea we have. And I asked you both if there is a Christopher Pike book that you could recommend to someone that's never read it, you know, one that you love. It doesn't have to be his best selling, his most popular, just one that resonates with you, that you enjoy, that you remember. And you both said Witch from 1990. And so that is today. We have all read the book. We're going to have a discussion about that book. We're going to have a discussion in general, but I think the thing that I want to ask all of us, and we can start individually talking about it, again, I grew up 
to me, it was R.L. Stein or nothing. I was a very snooty little snob that went into the Scholastic Book Fair. Let's not say snooty snob. Walking into the Scholastic Book Fair with my $10, you know, I'm like, I will take a Jonathan Brandis poster and three Fear Street books. Thank you. It was R.L. Stein or nothing for me. Um, So... Uh, you know, and we can, we'll, we'll, uh, Elizabeth, we'll start with you. Uh, give us your history with YA horror and Christopher Pike. Yeah. So I, I started fairly young in kind of the horror spooky things like between books and shows and stuff like that. And we discussed before that I grew up in a haunted house and, you know, so it was just part of me. It was part of my being. And I started out with Goosebumps. And as I, like, I was a really mature reader at a young age, so I had started out with Goosebumps, but I was kind of getting a little bit bored of it. I was kind of, you know, it was the same thing over and over. It was very R.L. Steinish, and I wanted to get into something new. So at my elementary school, why this book was in an elementary school book fair, I don't know. But I walked in and it was, we had a May sale. So every May we had this huge sale in our gymnasium. And Christopher Pike's Witch was sitting on a table at this May sale. I was in grade four or five. And for some reason, I just gravitated to this book. Just the cover, I think it was the neon colors and everything that was on it that first drew me in. And then I picked up this book and I started reading it. And I don't know what it did to me, but it was like my foray into the jumping from the middle grade to the YA. And uh, so Christopher Pike was really my first sort of kick at the YA horror. And then I found out, of course, R.L. Stein had the Fear Street series. And then I learned about Nightmare Hall, which I, I love Nightmare Hall because um, Point Horror gets a lot of recognition. And I didn't read Point Horror as a kid. It was all Nightmare Hall, which is a spinoff. And uh, between all of that, like, I just gobbled it up. So from that time when I was like 10 till about 13 or 14, that's all I read was like Christopher Pike, R.L. Stein, um, the Point Horrors, you know, the Diane Ho and all of that. And then from there, I got into like Anne Rice and all of those. So my, my reading was very mature when I was super young. I was like holy shit fourth third fourth grade but then like thinking about it I'm like no that's yeah that's about when I started really really like I just these are these are a little mature for a better term like the mom and me is like third grade you were but then like the me is like oh yeah I was definitely reading Stephen King in the fourth grade so I don't I don't know that I have any right to judge but yeah we definitely had skewed versions of like like the toxic masculinity of these books like runs rampant like oh my god no wonder I thought every guy I wanted to have sex with me because I was reading Christopher Pike novels. Um, yeah. Oh man, that's awesome. Josh, how about you? So I, if anybody's ever listened to me talk, they probably heard this story, but if not, yeah. here for the first time, I am kind of the opposite of most people. So my mom taught me to read super early. I was like fucking Matilda um, when I was a kid. So like by four or five, I was reading, like I was just a very, very advanced reader. Uh, So one of the very first books I ever remember reading was Gerald's Game by Stephen King when I was like eight. I still have the copy. Uh, I've carried it for 30 some years uh, that my mom had read. And then in the infinite wisdom of, I think she was, when I was eight, she would have been 
22 or 23. She had me super young. So in the infinite wisdom of a 20 something year old, handed her eight year old child Gerald's game thinking it was appropriate reading. Um, which admittedly, I, I know that I didn't understand a lot of like what was going on in it. Uh, but I thought it was like, you know, I remember like the deep loving scene of like that. Those are like some of my earliest book reading <laughs> memories was like that. Um, so <laughs> I came to like YA horror a lot later because by the by the time I was getting into school, you know, we were reading like the books that you do in first, second, third grade. But most of those I'd already actually read. I just kind of was like devouring things at my local library. I would just come home with like stacks of books. So I remember being in the library one day and yeah, of course I went to school. So everybody read Goosebumps. Of course, I read all the Goosebumps books. I read like scary stories to tell in the dark. You know, th those definitely formed like the child stuff that I did enjoy, but of course it couldn't really compete. You know, I'm carrying around it, <laughs> you know, at like 12 um, and the, the stand. Uh, so um, I, was at the library one day and I, I saw Christopher Pike's uh, The Last Vampire and I love vampire stuff. I have two shelves of just vampire lit. Uh, so I read that and just immediately fell in love with the way he wrote. I like read all those books probably in like a week or two because I mean it only takes like I reread The Witch in two days you know it doesn't take or which I should say not the witch which I read it you know so you can read them very very fast especially if you're like a voracious reader so I just fell in love with those I just started reading all of his books and yeah I definitely enjoyed that they were a little bit more adult um in theme you know uh they the characters would you know have sex and like talk about like attraction I think the most dirtiest thing I read in an R.L. Stein book was like in the Halloween party books Halloween night like they make out <laughs> and and they describe like the makeup like they're wearing face makeup how it like mixes in their mouths or something like that was the hottest thing in an R.L. Stein book <laughs> um, but you know in Monster for instance like Christopher Pike they're swimming in a lake like drinking each other's blood like <laughs> so it's very it was just a totally different sort of experience um, so yeah that's kind of how it happened it was sort of backwards so I read through all of his uh, books and then um yeah, that was kind of it. I still I still really love Christopher Pike. And I read The Last Vampire every couple of years just because it's such a like a comfort read, you know? <laughs> love it. Yeah, these it's like VC Andrews, R.L. Stein, and like mm. uh fucking Stephen King had a baby and his name is Christopher yeah. Pike almost, you yes. know? Like <laughs> Yeah. Um, yes. That's a good way to put it. Cause I was definitely like on this reread and I gotta tell you this is like a never meet your heroes thing for me because my childhood memories because Joshua I have the same experience as you I read way too young I I remember reading uh like The Shining and The Stand and way too young and I was it was almost mortifying and I was the same way I was a really lonely kid who read all the time I had a way too young mom who didn't know any better and was like sure here have a fucking Dean Koontz book you know so like Christopher Pike was never scandalous in my head but like when I was a teenager I remember being like me because they were like me and I felt so dirty and scandalous you know um because 14 15 year old me this is gonna come as a shock but I wasn't I wasn't cool enough to be getting any at 14 15 like I was still very much playing with Barbie dolls and Joey McIntyre from New Kids Dolls so to read about kids who were 16 17 and who were so sexually active and so like it, it was always felt scandalous to me as a kid so there was something very scandalous about these and delicious about them as a kid and now reading it I just like the you know the very old lady feminist in me is just like Ugh. um and I think it's because I don't have that like emotional tethering to any of these books including the R.L. Stein books like I like them they're cool 
I just, when I think back on childhood, it is those heavy hitter adult authors for me, not these guys. So it was, I won't spend my day shitting on it because I know it's nostalgia for everybody else. But um, I was like, wow, is this what this was? <laughs> like, and I just didn't know. <laughs> I think critique is is definitely fair. Uh, certainly, yes. And re- rereading them, you're like, oof, yeah, oof, oof, oof. Uh, but then sometimes it is like, wow, they're really, but there wasn't stuff like this. Like, I think this right. definitely is one of the original, it originates. So unlike Netflix, mine is always like strong female lead. <laughs> it's like my, all, all of my recommendations. And I think there's a lot of that in Christopher Pike's books. I think that he was trying, <laughs> but yes, there's, you agreed. know, again, it's the nineties, you know, third wave feminism, you know, there's some, st- and one actually for him, he was coming from probably a second wave yeah. Um, yeah. purview at times. So yeah. And Julie is an interesting character to kind of dive into. I, I dig the depth of, especially coming from a male author in the 90s, right? Like there was something to be said about her complicated existence. Although there was a part of me that was like, bitch, don't steal everybody's boyfriend all the time. Like, I'm just gonna, <laughs> if anybody hasn't read this book, I'm just gonna quick spoiler alert. The main character, she's our protagonist, whatever. She's always doing her best friend so dirty. Who's still, what? like, was she missed the code? Like, what happened there? Like, why? Just because you're a witch doesn't mean you get to steal everybody's boyfriends all the time. <laughs> well, was she, she wasn't actually stealing them. They just wanted they, her and yeah, she would like turn them down. In love with her. She, she, as, yeah. Until, until Jim, she never right. acted on it you know which they had said yeah. that she she can't help it they just fall in love with her which is such that's like the main character energy. my god which is what it. little me just wished i can't help it they keep falling Whatever. in love with me i know every girl wanted that to be our biggest problem <laughs> right well right and her best friend is so in awe of her that it's like i know it's not her fault like i don't care at all i don't feel bad <laughs> like it's okay with you know me, right? it's them which i mean part of me is like yes let's beautiful monster this shakira beyonce like <laughs> Yes, this is his problem. It is not hers, you know? So I like that energy, but it might be a little, you know, it's men writing like girl relationships. That definitely, I wanted to ask the group, like if some of this, like, did you ever have a best friend you love so much? That you didn't that mind you didn't when they care, stole your no, That I, you were second place, second fiddle to her. All Judge, when like, you know me know. well enough to know my answer to that question is <laughs> I would have fucking shanked that bitch with my dicks in Ticonderoga. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, am, I was not that nice or well-evolved as a, as a 14 through 18-year-old girl. I was like, bitch, don't look at my man. I still am. Like, who are we kidding? Like, I got that. I mean, no, is my short answer. And I think men actually get off worse and like, are portrayed worse in these books is my question because like and that's it's really interesting because it it happens in witch and i just read spellbound um that was another one and you would get these one-liners from the guys that you're literally like oh my god that was actually just in a book but then you realize (laughs) it was written in 1989 right so you kind of have to gloss (laughs) over it a bit but I would just break down and laugh because I'm like, this is not funny, but it's so bad that it's hilarious. Like these guys, the way they think and the way they think of like, oh, you know, little woman, get in the kitchen and make me a sandwich kind of thing. Yeah, (laughs) It's ripe in these books. It's like, I can't tell if Christopher Pike just thought John Hughes movies were real life or if this is what life was really like in the 80s. Like, this is how yeah. men really, I don't know. I was, I was too young. We were this, far too young. This is life now. Like, yeah. I know men who like talk like this now. Well, so I don't know true. them. Right. I see them online, you know. Or I was going to say, we don't Ohio. hang out with those guys, right? Yeah, I don't hang out with them. Um, but, you know, it's, yeah. I, there's something, okay, so there, Christopher Pike books also and R.L. Stein, a lot of these like YA, sometimes when I'm looking for like, 
I want to watch like a slasher movie, but I can't find the right one. I can turn to like one of their books because these books are like those like comforting 80s, 90s slasher movies. There's a lot of predictability to them in some ways. Christopher Pike can be a little, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, now we're bringing like Eastern mysticism or some other, like you know, random things that you don't typically see in American YA literature of this time. Uh, but for the most part, you know, it just kind of feels like familiar in that way of like, you know, Halloween or Friday the 13th. Yeah, to I bring just, in horror movies. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, and I'm definitely, it. I'm definitely excited to, like I said, expand my collection and read more. I had uh, doing a little bit of research for the episode, just kind of going through. Like I said, I looked up, kind of, you know, because my I, I'm more in the R.L. Stein world, so I kind of wanted to get the R.L. Stein versus Christopher Pike comparison online. And, and as I mentioned, generally online, people will say, you know, I enjoy them both, but geared toward Christopher Pike um and again I I didn't realize how squeaky clean R.L. Stein was like I really thought I'm like no I'm like because there's definitely been some death and some murder um there's definitely been like some supernatural stuff but like you know it can get like scary it can get a little gritty um and then reading which and our our main character Julie is so driven by revenge that she's gonna have a shoot 'em up in a convenience store. I'm like, okay, so that's a little bit more than R.L. Stein. Um, but I had seen a quote. Uh, somebody somebody wrote a quote on Reddit, and they had said that um, R.L. Stein. You read R.L. Stein until you level up to Christopher Pike. <laughs> you read yeah, Christopher Pike until you level up to Stephen King, yeah. and then when you read Stephen King, you level up to you know whoever the next, you know who's the step above. Bobby as far as, yeah, you know <laughs> yeah. like who's who's the next more intense. You know, like you go <laughs> from Stephen King quickly. to Clive Barker. You know, like we. Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, you just keep actually Clive Barker's the, a good step. Yeah, the yeah. intensity of the heart. That's what you like. You can kind of keep stepping up your intensity of the writing. Um, I, I I can say that I feel like, and again, I've only read Witch so far, um, but I do feel like the writing is a little bit better. Um, nothing against R.L. Stein, but I just feel like, I think because there's a little bit more it, it's a little bit more relatable to to that age group you know you've got the kids that you know yeah they're gonna go out and have a little they're gonna have some sex they're gonna do drugs or they're gonna it, it seemed like more relatable to the the teenage girls that were reading it so that's where I feel like the writing R.L. Stein seems to me to be you know it definitely in the YA category but shying more toward middle grade with the themes in the book you know it's generally there's some sort of boy crazy thing happening and this boy and I like this boy and does this boy like me and who am I going to prom with and this and that and that it's always there's always some sort of like young girl romance subplot to whatever else is going on where this one did have a bit of the romance but it this was just I don't know this was way more it's funny to say way more intense than I anticipated, but it really was. Like, I didn't really know what to expect going into it. I knew, just from speaking to all three of you, I knew that it was going to be a little bit more gritty. A little a little bit more, going to be a little bit more gruff than our for our Philly, for our Philly listeners, we don't mean gritty like the sports guy. We're taking the Philly out today. We should mean gritty like the real gritty. 
sorry. I just don't want to confuse our Philly folks. You say gritty, they think sports guy. I love that. Yeah, movie. they're listening to this and go, yeah. oh, she's the gritty. Also, are the big orange guy, right? The big, the big the monstrous guy. orange yeah. guy. Christopher Pike is like the gritty. orange monster. That makes sense. <laughs> it's gritty, right? Sometimes you gotta just explain it for the Philly crowd. Um, <laughs> I just insulted our Philly listeners. I'm sorry. I love you all. I don't know. I'm not. I wish I knew that. anything about sports so I could say like Stephen King is like, and then name um, another mascot. But I know. I wish all. no. <laughs> But it would definitely be a baseball mascot since that's all yeah, Stephen King yeah. knows how to fucking talk about. That's true. He's a Red Sox fan, so he could fuck off in that arena. I love him, but he could fuck off. Um, I'm not giving him a Pulitzer, Jackie, respectfully. Um, I, oh, I, no, I actually think no. between the two of them, if I had to pick one to give a bullshit Pulitzer to, I would go with, with R.L. Stein. That's interesting that you think Pike's writing is stronger. No, Joshua, in, you're, you're in, shaking in your head now. Book, like I said, yeah, I I've, read a grand total, I've read a grand total of one. So I leave it to you guys. Oh, Joshua, okay. Liz, like I leave it to you guys to tell me what it's your thoughts on interesting. that are. It's really interesting because this is the way that I think of like Pike versus Stein. Stein is kind of like a little shallow, like he writes good stories, but there's not really much depth to them you know, that sort of thing. And Pike is writing the same sorts of situations. You have the, oh, this person likes this person. He wants to go out with her and stuff like that. But it's a little bit more deep for one thing. Like, like you said, it's not just one person kills somebody else. Like this girl goes completely off the deep end and just is driven by this revenge so that it's deep that way. But if you look at Pike kind of outside of, well, within which, but also within some of his other writing, the horror is a little bit more realistic, if that makes any sense. Like, you could probably imagine that there's a girl out there who has witchy powers, and, you know, she's a very realistic witch, um, in my mind. Like, if you think of, I, I heard another booktuber say, I would have loved to see her have actually more supernatural powers. Mm-hmm. And to me, I'm like, I don't think Pike would have done that because he goes for the horror in everyday realism like you think of the midnight club which is like a bunch of kids who are literally dying of cancer that's the horror the horror is these kids dying of cancer you know and so he's a little bit more deep that way so I would put Pike Pike's writing and just the in between the lines sort of stuff that I didn't really get as a kid but reading them now I get get that a lot more like I would definitely say his horror is a little bit on a deeper level you're right and there are attempts at like you know symbolism and and you know motifs and things that you would never find in an rl stein book so that's that's actually super fair yeah (laughs) yeah i feel like i would give rl stein bullshit awards i give rl stein like a grammy because that's for like really based on popularity money you know those sorts of things Sorry, but it's just the Agreed. truth. Agreed. Um, whereas I would want to give, I think Christopher Pike is a little bit more literary because I would say Arl Stein to Stephen King, that's a good jump. Christopher Pike to Clive Barker is mm. a good jump. Um, there's a there's a similarity of depth of using, um, you know, especially, you know, kind of pulling in like Lovecraftian elements or things out of Egyptian culture, things out of Hinduism, yeah. things, you know, these like very deep things for like 12, 13, 14 year olds to be exposed to and reading in ways that I was not getting from R.L. Stein. Um, Midnight Club, absolutely. Like there are adult novels that cannot touch what the Midnight Club does, especially oh, somebody God. who plans to be like a grief therapist. The Midnight Club, I think, is such a beautiful, beautiful book. It's not even like a horror book. I mean, it's about existentialism, but you know what, how they kind of 
pose it like, oh, it's about, you know, somebody dying and like sending messages from the other side. That's not really what it's about. Um, it is just about these kids trying to deal with the fact that their lives are going to end. And it's just so, it's just such a beautiful book for as like, you know, for it being a YA. Well, novel. and can I, can I just say that The Midnight Club is one of my favorite books of all time. Yeah. I will never I read it, it again. It. I will, it, it destroyed wow. me. I cried like I've never cried at a book before when I was reading it. And I, I don't think I will ever read it from cover to cover ever again. What wow. did you watch the adaptation just, the Netflix series? I was just gonna ask if did did you guys watch that and did they did they did Netflix do it justice? It's hard to say <laughs> because I think they were trying to be careful because one, like none of those kids really look like they're dying. So yeah. they sapped some <laughs> of fair. which I understand again, not to say, but it's just they kind of my biggest fear was they were going to pull some of the uh the bigger depth yeah. of it because uh, American culture is just so afraid of death and so afraid of getting old and like and and dealing with these sorts of things and there's something very profound about the book that I feel is taken a little bit out but I really love the concept I wish they would have gotten more seasons I'm heartbroken it ended just because I do think they were doing as good a job as they could do um but yeah, that's my opinion. Yeah, especially I because <laughs> they 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 gave Mike Flanagan like 26 of the books, right? Like I was so bummed to see it end because yeah. I haven't read The Midnight Club, but I thought the series was really brave and profound. And like, like you said, like watching it with my kids, they were like, damn, this is like, they were shook because they haven't grown up on a steady diet of this stuff. So it was, yeah. I thought it was well done. I don't have the basis for comparison, but I'm devastated that it's not going to go on. Lizzie, did you watch it? I did. And I feel sort of the same way about this one that I did about the fear street mm. is it it was good as a standalone but it was missing those midnight club elements mm -hmm. so I think same sort of thing is I think they did as well a job as they could have but I would have loved to see it go into those deeper elements but like you say maybe they were scared away a little bit of it and and they wanted it to be more entertaining than you know, actually getting into those deep subject matters. So kind yeah. of feel the same way about that one as I did about the the Fear Street series. And they had and to I take away some of the stories to replace because they were using Pike instead of like the stories from the books, like yes. the the mass shooter, which is a very deep, very interesting story to tell. But obviously they didn't adapt that for obvious reasons, I understand. Yeah. But there are just things missing from it that I would have liked to have seen. But I like the idea of trying to get other Pike stories out there. I thought that was a cool twist to it. Oh, now I super want to read the, the book now. Like I'm like going to Amazon as I see. There, um, there are some think, interesting stories that they tell. So yeah, exactly. I recommend. Um, to the And I think to the detriment of today's kids that they, I feel like we water this shit down a lot. I think that um, while I think there's such great YA literature out there and the kids today are so lucky. And if we grew up for, you know, in this time, we'd all be so much more lucky with this access to this wealth of amazing horror that's out there in so many different layers. But and, and so it's such great representation and all these other things in YA literature, but man, they, they're afraid to go back and really dive in as deep as we, as we did in the eighties and nineties. Like, I feel like when I think of my kids and their reaction to the midnight club, I'm like, you're right. I don't know that they were ready for it to be Christopher Pike, the way we all know and love Christopher Pike, because today's kids very rarely dive into these guys. So for them, it was like, yeah. this is all they can handle. And the one series, the one modern, because I, I read almost entirely vintage, but the one modern day series that I would say doesn't hold back and is like actually scary 
is the red eye series and that's the one that has like the frozen charlotte the charlotte says i read another one out of that series uh earlier this year called the haunting and uh like literally bawled my eyes out and put the book down for a full week before I picked it up again. Wow. So okay. it doesn't like, it doesn't hold back from those like really creepy kind of brutal elements. So I would highly recommend the red eye series. If you're looking for something along the same lines of like the brutality of our vintage YA. And to, <laughs> to that end, um, Adam Caesar's clown on a cornfield, I thought was yes. Very yes. reminiscent of if you haven't, and I mean, full disclosure, he's you know a friend of the cat podcast. Hopefully, going to be on soon. We're going to be hanging with him soon. But I loved that book. It was, it was to great. me, yeah. And when my kid read it, she was shook. Like she was like, "What is this?" And I was like, "That's the kind of stuff I read as a kid." Like it's it's a great read. Yeah, I would agree. I was going to mention um, so to to go back to to which <laughs> um, I knew this would be hard to actually stay on the topic of the, the <laughs> book because it's so it's like there's just so much to talk about um, in this in this world. Uh, but I actually really also like the naturalism of this. It reminds me a bit of Practical Magic, so Alice Hoffman's the novel version where they're much more natural and. Uh, I actually went to look to see when it was published because I'm like, did one of them like read the other? Because there's <laughs> like a lot of vibes from this that like connect the two books. Uh, but Practical Magic was uh, published five years later. It was published in 95. Uh, so I don't know. I'm not accusing Alice Hoffman of reading, obviously. They're very different <laughs> books, but the spirit of them and like the aunts and kind of the, um, you know, the, the this idea of like good and bad life and death are very... Uh, amorphous uh, rules around them it just and the magic wasn't like magic it's more you know this natural kind of thing which I prefer I like books that stay kind of firmly in in a world that I can really believe uh, that's why I struggle with a lot of sci-fi because it's like oh we have this thing but we can't explain how it works that drives me nuts um, okay. I, I want to kind of know so I actually really like that about um, a lot of Christopher Pike's books feel even when there are supernatural elements they feel there's a a real uh, a world that they're that they're operating in that I can feel real about like the last vampire series you know the, the his vampire mythology I'm like oh this is cool it's like rooted in a religion kind of pulls this um it, it just feels right rather than you know we crawled out from hell or something <laughs> I gotta be honest and I had this was a first read for me I was shook that she died that was a, a I mean maybe <sighs> I'm just too away from it to remember but like I'm like good on you Christopher Pike that's something Stein wouldn't do right he doesn't kill the main no he like, doesn't often kill yeah well you know I mean there's definitely death but like not and not usually our our main character that we've been following through the story the whole time yeah well, I was, that I was attached totally. enough to care yeah yeah I love that about Christopher Pike too he's not afraid to go there you know in Monster that hopefully your people have read these books because we're like spoiling the shit out of them but <laughs> like Monster it's the same like she's fighting to against this creature that she does eventually become she's a little more evolved version of it but it's like it's still it's kind of she doesn't die but she does become the thing uh and there are others too where you really you know you care for the characters it's like dead um Saudi I his adult novel which is one of my like all-time favorite books even though I don't believe in God necessarily but for a time it helped me feel like a, a relationship because just because it's a, um, a really interesting uh story uh also you know they die <laughs> and you're just like wait what it's like heartbreaking <laughs> but it makes so sense too I'm gonna throw this question out to you guys because you Elizabeth and Joshua are the what I would perceive to be more expert on the Christopher Pike like books than we are. Um, 
I read this review that was pretty scathing and like accused these books of having that like Christian moral agenda where it's like the bad people get what's coming you know like the femme fatale girls always get punished you know even even uh the character uh Julia gets punished because she's a witch right that's that at the end of these books the order is restored of like the patriarchy and the good kids get what they deserve amy gets to live julia dies um and they listed a bunch of other books so i'm gonna pose this to you guys i didn't get this rating but i wanted to see if you guys thought this was ever true with the christopher pike books is this secretly like a moral agenda that we would all be opposed to in real life elizabeth maybe speak to that first (laughs) yeah um i I never really pulled that from the ones that I read. Honestly, like I didn't meet. And I mean, reading is so subjective. If if that's what some people are getting, then fine. But um, I'm not sure if it was done like purposely. But like in Spellbound, there's like this whole there's there's a little bit of a what what you could see is like a racist angle. Um, I won't give it away. But uh, was it done intentionally? I'm not sure. And so you could kind of say the same thing for like religion and Christianity and all of that kind of stuff, but also, and maybe it's just because they're so nostalgic for me, but you're also like a modern person in a completely different time and place that's reading something from a completely separate era. So, you know, I mean, I I would appreciate anybody's take on it, but like, I didn't get that at all. Yeah, I would I would agree that um, again, this is a white male writing in the ni- in the eighties and the nineties with a you know probably an education from the seventies. Uh, I don't know too much about Kevin. That's a, his real name is Kevin. Yeah. What is his last name? McFadden. I don't remember. McFadden? Yes, McFadden. Kevin McFadden. Um, so I don't know too much about his life. He doesn't come across as a Christian person, and in fact, a lot of his books are infused with like Hinduism and like Eastern stuff, as as we've mentioned. Um, and a lot like in which like she's they have this amazing power that punishes them um and i don't think it's coming from a place of like negative like bad about them being witches it's just like this is the order of things kind of like in carrie and stephen king's carrie like she has this incredible power that causes her like heart to fail and causes her to have all of the like you know kind of um negative symptoms when she uses it it exhausts her and there's a a cost for that so I feel like that's kind of the thing um in some of his books that I I uh, but I agree there's always um I definitely see issues of like racism maybe not malicious racism but just the racism that a lot of people are taught and and in you know uh internalize and um you know it's hard to you have to work to unlearn that so there are definitely things in here there are definitely sometimes stuff that I'm like yeah not as feminist as I would like (laughs) um but again it's just like when we watch our old you know our movies like you know slasher movies from this time my thought my thought you Marissa you saying about you know they have that morality thing in them I'm like well that's every 80s slasher movie you know if you have sex you die if you do drugs you die you know if you go off and party you die it's the virginal character that makes it to the end she's rewarded with life because she's done what she's supposed to do so yeah I think I think I have I I would have a hard time trying to pick that out too because it's just so it's kind of in the background of so many things that I like that I don't even pay attention to it anymore. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, that was the, all of the EC comics, you know, all the tales from the crypts and the tales from the vaults, they were all morality tales. You know, you watch 
the tales from the crypt show from the 90s and what happens to everybody they all get their comeuppance because they're bad people for i, I think everything know. we yeah. watched back then all the movies <laughs> all the shows are all morality right mm-hmm. so i mean <laughs> really you know yeah it's like it's so oversaturated i'm like completely unfazed by that theme anymore that if unless it's very glaringly like it's gonna spell it out for you like i remember when back in what was it like now 10 15 years ago like when twilight came out like i i admit it i've read the twilight books and yeah like that is very glaringly like let's wait till marriage and keep ourselves virginal like that was a very obvious i think had those christian overtones um yeah but yeah i think i'm kind of super desensitized to that stuff these days because i'm just like yeah well you know that's how you know all the 80s movies and like i said all all like again the, the super nostalgic books that i read like from from all the ya stuff i mean yeah. sideways stories from wayside school like you've got all those <laughs> oh, that's, that's one of my favorites it's up there you, you, know, just, again, my, you just the... hurt my neck from the nostalgic <laughs> whiplash wow um and yeah and i think uh, to argue against that point julia makes the choice right i mean ultimately she she does have that autonomy and i think that that's that i would argue that that's feminist right i mean i don't know i'm not saying christopher pike is feminist because i do i do want to do a little more reading part that jury's out but I, I think that I, I don't agree with that criticism. I don't think this guy had a secret well, I, moral I think, agenda. I think he tried to be feminist. I really do. I agree. So. Like if you've read more than one book, like yeah, I agree. Um, you know, he really tried, even though it does have a lot of those tropes and and you know, like a lot of focus on women's bodies and how they look and you know, maybe a little bit of fat shaming in there. And uh, uh, what was it? Bury Me Deep had a lot of fat shaming and stuff like that. But it had very kind of like those early sort of glimmers of you're really trying to make this like strong feminist character. I agree. I think he walked so a lot of the modern YA authors could run. I really do. And I can only imagine what kind of like pushback there was back in the day in like the the, like the Midwest and shit about his books. I can't imagine these went over well to parents back then, you know, so I'm here for it. And I I would defend this work as important. Yeah, I don't even know. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember because I wasn't really policed that way. And I was yeah, like one of the few readers, like I, I, other people were reading, but not like I was reading. So I didn't have right. any like book nerd friends to be like, do your parents let you read that? Because teachers would be concerned. <laughs> Professors, you know, teachers would be like, why, why are you reading it? Where, where are your parents, basically? It's like, no, she gave it to me. Fuck off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, I had a nickel for every time I got denied for book for my book report on a Stephen King book. Right. Yeah, um, exactly. Uh, but yeah, I will say, of course, yeah, there are other issues. Like there's a lot of, you know, blonde white people in Christopher Pike's books. In fact, the the, the last vampire, which I, again, freaking love, but it's like about a vampire is one of the first Aryans and she's the the Indo-Euro Indo-European people in, in India 5,000 6,000 some years ago and it's like well I think if they were adapted they would probably just make her like in uh, a, a Hindu Indian woman um, but selling that book then would probably be a lot harder than it would be now or if they did decide to change it just to fit her in a little bit more um, so yeah there are definitely things to critique <laughs> to be like, <laughs> I don't yeah. know about that. But again, there's a, it is, it's nostalgia and uh, 
there's so many things in my world that I think about that were because of Christopher Pike, like looking up those other religious texts, looking just like Christopher Pike talking about things that I'm like, or um, Clyde Barker, sorry, Clyde Barker talking about things that I'm like, I have no idea what he is talking about. So I'd have to do more research to like inform. And I didn't do that with R.L. Stein or Stephen King, you know, because I wasn't going to look up baseball shit or like 50s nostalgia shit. Like I kind of knew that or kind of had a passing enough familiarity with it to not be curious about more. But Christopher Pike, Clyde Barker always like challenged me Agreed. to do more research and to read other books and and to be interested in why they were writing and um, yeah, where their stories came from. So overall, do we, obviously, I know uh, Elizabeth, Joshua, obviously you guys give the thumbs up on this book. Risks on your reread, um, not not as not as good as you remember, or just kind of that, the themes like in general. I don't know, sometimes I wish I could read shit without the 40 something year old lens that I have now. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, fuck, where's 16 year old Marissa? She would have loved this shit. Um, and and so I want to go, I just want to, yeah, I want to say thumbs up because I think 16 year old me would have really enjoyed this. I think she, I would have been empowered by Julia. I never read this particular one as a kid, so it was tough to kind of revisit it, but I know what Pike books meant to me then. And I agree with Joshua and, and Elizabeth in that it did kind of challenge me and push me forward and was like a great bridge in between all the other shit that I shouldn't have been reading that young, but um, I'm fine. What? Um, but like at the end of the day, I, 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 yeah, I'm going to say, yeah. And I'm going to say that I would be happy to have my 13 and 14 year old reading these books. So I think that's why I think they're just spoiled as shit. And there's so many good YA novels out there that they'll never go backwards and that's that's great right but i'd be cool yeah. with it yeah and yeah. i i kind of want to read more i'm i'm here for no, it what about I, you, I i definitely do this i mean obviously this is this is right up my alley um i really enjoyed it i definitely want to read more i liked one of the things i really liked about the book that i feel like is slightly different from stein i i don't it's such a i don't want to say that it's it's like i don't I'm not trying to generalize rl stein but i really liked the characters in this book they all they all seem different enough sometimes in an rl stein book it's like a group of girls and you've got like the cookie cutter like there's one girl who's like the super pretty popular there's always one like ravishing redhead there's always one girl that's a little bit chubby but like she's still friendly with everybody like you've got these very cook and it, it seems like that's and they're all kind of like the same character they all have kind of like the same personality I liked in this book in particular, and again, I say this having read the one, but I liked that there was the dynamic of the the three best friends. There was Julia, there was Amy, and there was Scott. I liked the dynamic with all of them. Um, and then there was like the random guy, Randy, who you think is just, just like this stupid idiot football player, but he turns out to actually have like a little bit more depth. And like, it's like one of those, like, can't read a book by the cover because, you know, he, he works at the hospital. He actually cares about people. He's not just a dumb jock. I mean, he's, an he's artist, not the smartest. Jackie. What's that? He's an artist, Jackie. He yeah. carves trees into beautiful yeah, like, likenesses. There's, there's so much more to him than I mean, he's not just the dumb jock character. I like that all of these characters actually had a little bit of depth to them and there was a little bit more than just what was on the surface and again for a book a YA book in the 90s it's not what I expected just from what I was used to reading so I really did like 
not that there was a ton of character development, but I did like the little bit that was there. And I think just in general, the story, uh, which we never even, we haven't really mentioned, but with Julia being a witch, her mother was also a witch. Her mother had passed away. And we learn that Julia can pretty much predict the future. She can see what's going to happen, but she has always been told not to, you know, look into the lake by the moonlight. Like, don't read the future by moonlight. And one day she does, and she ends up seeing herself in this future and somebody dying. And she's trying to avoid that. And it turns out one of her friends gets shot and it's kind of this, and then it becomes this whole revenge plot where she is doing, I mean, beg, borrow and steal. Like we're buying guns. Like that was something that really kind of like when that whole scene where her and Jim go to the store (laughs) and they're going to buy guns. And she's like, yeah, I want a gun. And she's describing what she wants it to do, you know, for target practice. Um, and then it's like, no, take this rifle. This will do more damage or take this revolver. Like, again, she should have went from- to Walmart. She wouldn't yeah. have Seriously, problem, she could have gone. You know? Wiki- I mean, Wiki- now this would be way easier yeah. now. I forget which gun she pages. wanted. <laughs> I forget which gun she wanted, but the, the, the guy was like, well, you have like a, there's like a three day wait for that one. She's Don't like, well, embarrass what do I- us in front of the Canadian. Come on. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm over here. Like, oh my God. So horrifying. I know. I know. I know. We don't like it. We don't like it. Yeah. Um, no, but for it was, it. I'm just like saying. I said, it was, uh, <laughs> it, it was, yeah, like, like I said, the rest of the story is just kind of her whole revenge and then she learned that there's a family that she had that she didn't know that she had and we kind of learn you know more about her mother and the magical family that she has and I I don't know like it just every chapter was just not what I expected like one after the other and and I, I say that all in the positive nothing really in the negative in that sense of you know speaking Oh, I'm sorry, guys. No, I was gonna say R.L. Stein is very good for like that clickbait end of the chapter thing where like, and something's coming out of the shadows. And then it's like, <laughs> well, then you go to the next page and it's like, well, my cat walked around the corner. Like it was, it's all he is he is very <laughs> clickbaity at the end of all of his chapters, where this it's one jump scare in a book, yeah. You know? Oh, absolutely. And <laughs> this one it, had man. this one was this one read much more like you know, I always say, like, you know, R.L. Stein, the Fear Street stuff, that's YA. But it's hard to now not want to call that middle grade, even though I know it's not middle grade, but it's hard not to want to call that middle grade after reading this. And now, of course, the YA that I currently read as an adult and the new things that are coming out, it's hard not to put Fear Street in the middle grade category after having read the things that I've read now. No, very much so. And the, but that's and the, the problem. You know, yeah. yeah. We're reading yeah. it with like our warped yeah. brains. Mm-hmm. And the Netflix <laughs> like series of Fear Street did a great job of making it more mature. And sp- you, I know you didn't like it, but I loved that they spiced it up enough to keep the teens today interested when they re- did the Fear Street series. Um, but admittedly, I'm not a, as big of a fan of the originals as you are. If we're going to talk plot points, how are we not talking about the waitress who almost accidentally got tricked into co- committing statutory rape? We're just going to glaze over that. We're not going to acknowledge that that character exists because holy problematic 90s Batman. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck. Like, there's so much that you have to well, just Sally. put a pin in. Yeah, poor, poor fuck. And then Randy's still going after her. She's still really entertaining a date with Randy. She knows these kids are high schoolers. Dude, it's just... It's hard to like just swallow down the problem. I mean, I love the problematic 90s. You know I do at 80s, but ah, there's so many things that just make me go, Ugh. <laughs> like, you know, this whole book, to, 
it also like escalates so quick this book is like what three days two days <laughs> like yeah. it's just like woo, we're yeah. like we're moving the really fast um but yeah no you're right and sometimes I wonder how much like self-insert happens with Christopher Pike and like some of this because earlier I wanted to talk a little bit and you mentioned it like making the men a little more complicated because I can't remember is it Scott who kind of has the internal monologue about the way he looks and his size and it was very interesting to read something yeah. like that because it's not you typically don't get that in males um he's a little douchey about it because he's like I'm not gonna let women tell me what my body would look like but I do feel bad about my body and I wish that I felt better about it because then like girls would like me so it's a weird like which was super like, it's an example of the toxic masculinity and patriarchy how it harms everyone mm -hmm. um <laughs> but meanwhile, all, all they make, everybody simultaneously he's making cr really crude sexual uh passes it, at his alleged yeah. best friends you know exactly. like, so, <laughs> yeah <laughs> which, yeah which again, again just no, makes like, me wonder about christopher like how much he's putting like what <laughs> what is him you know that's kind so of true. his own shit but and, and also with sally like you know of like oh i'm a high schooler trying to hook up with a 30 year old waitress they're 30 yeah, they're 30, yeah. <sighs> and then again, is that just normal are we just too old right like are we just forgetting what it was like to be 18 that's what i you know like i don't know i'm like maybe that was just youth right i was maybe a queer destroyed. kid so like we didn't have that option like i couldn't date somebody my own age so my mm -hmm. first like partners were much older than i am and when they look back at it it's like <laughs> it's like culture is fucked up culture primes us to be you know sexually assaulted in a way not I don't know I that sounds that's a little more harsh than I mean but it puts us because culture is so homophobic not allowing like queer boys and girls to like have relationships like the relationships that straight people get mm -hmm. makes us seek it outside it makes it us uh prime for victimhood by much older people so even if we want it and I did like at 17 I was perfectly fine dating people at 25 26 27 not thinking about they should have been thinking. They should have, right. They should have. <laughs> it wasn't on me. It was on them. It's still happening, unfortunately, I yeah, think, in a lot absolutely. of marginalized. Yeah, it's it's a shame. Yeah, yeah. I talk about this a lot in my in my school program of thinking about this when we talk about the way uh, sexuality and the way homophobia hurts people. Uh, we have to think beyond like the way it conditions us for sex crimes. Um, even when we want but anyway sorry that's a little random but <laughs> no, my point so is, is it's very real like the, the reading that of them trying to like hook up with somebody much older I'm like nope that yeah to me felt normal a hundred percent I remember going to parties with with people who were way older in high school that's fair oh, absolutely yeah, yeah. 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 and yeah. I think that was just it was just the time like yeah. I, I think it was part of the time and I mean we had even in the music back then we had like hot for teacher yeah you know? <laughs> so true right right so it just kind of so normal into that it's 80s, true. 90s you know it, yeah, it's yeah, almost yeah. as if like you know back then you read it and it's like oh she's in her 30s he's in high school <laughs> that's funny where now it's like oh <laughs> that's that's a sex crime that is a crime i, I know back then we just end up on a awesome. list and yeah. you know there's gonna be problems you're marked for the rest of your life yeah it was almost like it was it was it's funny it was a joke back then that you know mm -hmm. right. somebody so young would be with someone so much older and or someone so much older would want someone so much younger and yeah right. it, it, you definitely you have to be i don't want to say you have to be careful and not look through the lens of today when you're reading these books um i mean i i've said it before on the show about many things that my for for better or for worse my nostalgia blinds a lot of the the entertainment that i consume because i'm like yes you know it's 
I'll, I'll, my, one of my old favorite examples of like just how outdated and kind of cringy something is is back to the future is one of my favorite trilogies of my favorite movies of all times and we're gonna pretend that a white guy invented rock and roll like okay (laughs) that's we're we're gonna but i I will forgive you know robert zemeckis the nostalgia goggles are on i'm gonna be blinded to that and you know i know enough to know better than that but yeah like it's one of those things where even the things that we love the most from back then there's it's tough because you don't realize you don't realize sometimes the joke you're making that's funny now how it's going to be perceived 10 years from now 15 years from now right yeah and in this one of the problematic you know again problematic christopher pike uh, is that it's okay because we're told that sally is stupid you know she is she's a dumb woman and that's like made many times so it's like she's kind of like our age (laughs) almost like it's like (laughs) this is very messed up in a lot of ways uh, but then I forgot that it was written probably in the 80s because she's like what's a camcorder I'm like this and then I'm like oh wait this is 1990 so maybe a handheld camcorder wasn't like really a thing but um yeah so I think there's that's the other kind of fucked up part of it is like you know she's also like a dumb waitress of course <laughs> so it's like ugh, I have like issues oh. with that too but I hadn't read it in a long time so I was like the same like oh right, like- like you just kind of glaze over it for the for the sake of the love of the <laughs> yeah and she is so sweet bringing the pie to the hospital for a guy who's had been she, like well, blown. that's what's funny is that she comes back around randomly i'm like oh sally yeah. good you're a good girl she's you deserve tried. better than those kids yeah. yeah she's not a predator you know she was told by this guy that he was 25 or something like it's not her fault just... it was accidental right she's <laughs> she owns so many problems (laughs) um so we will we'll start to wrap it up um is there anything (laughs) more on christopher pike or or just kind of ya horror in general that anybody wants to add any more notes that they had or anything that they want to any topics to bring up i think we cover everything i'm just grateful that these i do think these guys paved the road um, and I'm so grateful that the kids today get just like an entire fucking section of Barnes Noble because we never had. I mean, the fact that horror exists in the Barnes Noble is is a victory, but then the fact that the YA section has a sub genre of all these different, like you know, like LGBTQ YA, horror YA, fantasy YA. Like I just think the kids today are living their best lives. I think if we all grew up now, we'd be so fucking cool because we we're all so marginalized back then for being into this shit. Um, so I'm I'm thankful for the nerds of today. They don't know how good they have it, the kids today. That's my final thought. Marissa's final thought on that. <laughs> so Jackie, which is the only one you've read? So now? far, which is the only one I read. I do also have Monster over there. Okay. Yeah, what um, should we read next, y'all? Yeah, that's why I wanted to hear Elizabeth's like thought, like what what would be next? Okay, so I think I think you guys definitely have to read the Midnight Club because we have to have a conversation about the Midnight Club. Okay, Okay. Okay. please have like a group cry about this book. Oh no, please include me in that. (laughs) I barely survived the show. (laughs) It's so beautiful. I think you would like it. It it is. I'm excited. All right, I'm ordering it right now. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I'm like I'm gonna go over here, go into All right, a so book. Midnight See, Club and here's and... here's my bougie problem too is that like 
I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to order it. Like you're, you, Bruce, you just said you're going to Amazon. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I need first printing. I got to go to a books or thrift books. I'm like, you're, I need you're my, along my, yeah. 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 I'm like, no, no, no. I need my first printing. The I need the one so that like cooler. is now yeah, yellowed it's the way the they look. They're so yes, cool two, looking. Two oh, that see, that looks, yeah. They oh, have yeah. the best covers. Oh, I That's another thing, hung. man. When you talk I'm doing about, the like, Jackie thing, trying to collect them. <laughs> when you do like paperbacks from hell, like when you think about like the awesome paperbacks that exist, the Christopher yes. Pike ones, like I feel like they deserve so much more credit. These covers were so good. So good, yeah. All right. So Midnight Club, what's the what what other can't miss? So you know, you know the one that I loved growing up, and I think it was because um I'm claustrophobic. Um, so bury me deep has a scuba diving theme and he goes really deep into like how things work and getting nitrous bubbles in your blood and you can't ascend too quickly. And it's very, it's very technical with the scuba diving and stuff. Um, and it's very kind of tropical summery. Like I think they're in Hawaii, like these two Mm -hmm. best friends are in Hawaii and they meet these two guys. Um, so nobody talks about Bury Me Deep a whole lot, but uh, that's the claustrophobia for me definitely got me. So have you read The Deep by Nick Cutter? Have you, no. You, you wouldn't be able to probably. I, I, I don't know if I can now. handle it. <laughs> there. I'm not claustrophobic, but that, that book made me feel claustrophobic. <laughs> um, all right. So The Deep, uh, Bury Me Deep, Midnight Club. Joshua, what are yours? Uh, uh, definitely Monster, because I'd be curious to hear what you what you have to say <laughs> about that. I, I Monster is a lot of fun for me. Uh, I Slumber Party is fun. It's very that's like the 80s. That's OG one, like, right? Yeah, that's it's, like his first. It's, that's his it's first fun. One, I think. It, again, a lot of it's not like they're, you know, fantastic literature, but there's just something fun about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I would I would recommend Saudi. It's not horror, but um, this is a first edition because I'm kind of like that too. Oh, like that that was that. his first adult fiction, uh, correct? Yes, this is the first mm-hmm. one about a girl who thinks she's God. Uh, but it's it has some cool stuff in it. Again, white blonde, a lot in, in common with Sita from the last Vampire series, but. Some of the philosophy in it, even though I don't believe in God, is how I try to live my life. Just that, you know, like, be good to people. So it has some really beautiful stuff in it, uh, based on a lot of faiths. It pulls from a lot of uh, of religious and spiritual ideologies. So yeah, I would definitely say do those next. um, And I I would uh, endorse I endorse Elizabeth's suggestions. (laughs) Okay, so it sounds like at some point, we're going to have to part two this episode. Mm With the Midnight Club. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I and and Saudi, maybe. Love that. Yeah. yeah. And almost you could read both of those and kind of compare them because there's some cool like like those could be one thing. Like talk about both of those just because there's some yes. cool death stuff in, in both. Cool. Yes. Okay. Philosophies. Existential stuff. Use all of our big words. There we go. <laughs> oh shit, and the last vampire. Oh my god. Oh, so yeah, much. Oh my god. That's right. That's right. Last vampire. Well, no, the last vampire is the start of a, a series, correct? There's yeah, that's true. That yeah, 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 yeah. Has yeah, everything yeah. else everybody mentioned? They were all one-offs. Like they're okay. Yes. So the last vampire would be a series that we would yeah. need to. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Although you know, it's funny. I did realize in reading which, like, he does reuse names a lot, or at least like in this one, it's like Jim Havoc or whatever, and and um. Monster, it's Jim Klein's. He uses some names, uh, you know, and like same. I don't know what that is about, but sometimes I get his characters mixed up because I'm like they have the same kinds of names. Mm-hmm. But other than that, they're they're not series. Okay. <laughs> Let me answer the question that was actually asked. <laughs> so let's let's plug away, Elizabeth. 
Uh, yeah, so you guys can find me uh, on YouTube at Elizabeth Sagewood, Sagewood um, and on Instagram as well at Elizabeth Sagewood. And uh, on my YouTube channel, I've been starting to like do these video diaries where I'm talking about like just things outside of the bookish world. And um, because like I don't only just read horror, like I'm really into like ghost stories and having like spooky experiences and stuff like that. So um, I have been talking a little bit about some spooky projects that I'm working on. So I finally started my book. Um, it's probably going to be a long time coming, but I've started that. And uh, there's another spooky project kind of in the works that I haven't revealed what it, what it is yet. So uh, check me out on YouTube. So exciting. We can't wait to, to follow you through these journeys. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, congrats. Oh, that's so exciting. So writing a book. Seriously? I dream of writing a book one of these days. Um, yeah, so you can find me at all things at Fright School, uh, where Joe and I, my uh, co-host, uh, we watch horror every week and give it kind of a queer um, cultural anxiety examination. Uh, you can also find me at the West Craven Memorial Library on Instagram. That's like my bookstagram page. I've been very neglecting it, but I'm trying to get back into it because I really enjoy posting and talking about books. I'm such a nerd. Um, and that's also where we record Fright School is my home office, the West Craven Memorial Library, which I'm so jealous of Jackie and Elizabeth, your backgrounds, but I'm in my um, husband's office instead of mine. So you don't get to see my 5,000 books. Um, but yeah, so that's where you can find me and us. <laughs> that's lovely. I, I'm thank you. Thank you both again. Yes, taking time. This has been a multi uh, time zone coordinated effort. Um, and, and just to, to take the time to reread, revisit Christopher Pike. Uh, I really, I very, very much appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Thank you guys for joining us today. And again, um, you are going to find the links for all of Elizabeth's socials and Joshua's socials in the show notes. So please, if you haven't yet, they've both been on the show. We have plugged them before. What are you waiting for? If you have Seriously. not started following them, yeah, you need you're losing to out. get on it and follow them. Two amazing um, use creators. code Jersey Ghouls loves them for no good reason. Just comment that, you know, oh, I heard you about on Jersey Ghouls and I love yep. Jersey Ghouls. So I love you. It's an automatic thing. As far as the Jersey Ghouls, you know what to do. You know to check us out on social media and your favorite podcasting app. Just search Jersey Ghouls. We keep it simple. Jersey Ghouls podcast. There we are. And just like with Elizabeth and Joshua's ventures, you hit the subscribe button, like, comment, share binge do all the things that you do to boost the algorithm so everybody knows all about all of us and we can all just celebrate horror all the time and obviously now at some point you're gonna have to stay tuned because we're gonna do a part two of this and do christopher pike part two electric boogaloo the midnight the oh midnight call but i almost called it the midnight hour it's not the midnight hour don't, it's the don't get me excited <laughs> it's the midnight club <laughs> and hey everybody listen don't forget press pause on that dv dizzle once in a while pick up a book it's it's good for you it's good for yes. what ails you <laughs> you know what i know uh so what real quick since we are all uh, the bookworms here what are you guys currently reading oh shit i'm reading something so good right now and i hope you guys have read it i have it right here within these walls Anybody read it? Holy shit. Got it at Barnes & Noble in the horror section. Mm -hmm. uh, it was like an impulse buy and it might be my favorite book of the year so far. I can't even be, it's about wow. like a, a cult leader who um, uh, like, you know, his cult kills a bunch of people and then he's in jail and he talks a writer into going to live in the house that his murders all took place in and it's uber haunted and it's fucking dope and I have no idea where it's going. Check it out. It's called Within These Walls by Ania Alborn, y'all. 
Nice. How about you guys? What are you reading? I didn't know that question was coming. I just have it on that there. It's just so weird. I'm also reading, um, if anybody's interested, the effective principle failure is not an option for anybody. <laughs> there we there go. There we go. Yeah. I am currently reading uh, The Only Good Indians uh, by Ooh, Stephen Graham Jones. Yeah. Uh, I'm enjoying it so far. It's very, very interesting. Uh, I like all of it. I love him. So I, I'm doing, uh, so here in, I'm in San Diego, we have a, a bookstore called Mysterious Galaxy. Uh, they're awesome. You can order from them online. If you want to support a really cool indie bookstore, that's all like horror and sci-fi. It's very uh, like niche. Uh, kind of bookstore, although, you know, I'm sure you can order anything from them just to support a, a, an indie bookstore, but they do a summer bingo. Uh, so you you have to read like 20 books in three months or something. So I'm trying to plug along. So I'm reading that. I'm reading a biography of Joan Didion because I fucking love her because I'm pretentious. Love her. <laughs> yeah, pretentious too. I love um, her. <laughs> and I'm reading a whole bunch of like therapy modality books. So yeah, super fun. Good times. Good times. Yep. Good times. Elizabeth, you're probably gonna school us all but <laughs> like, i'm reading 12 really... books right now <laughs> yeah. um i've been really into uh reading gothic horror this year we had this uh gothic hearts reading challenge back in february and it's just kept going <laughs> with me this year i've been so enjoying it so uh, a new favorite author of mine is hester fox and uh, i'm on my third book of hers right now it's called a lullaby for witches and I just finished The Heir to the Blackwood Library. And it's a book about books. And there's this old manor with a library and it has secret passages. Oh, it's so good. So if you like gothic horror, definitely check that one out. Um, I'm also reading a Darcy Coates right now, The Fall the Fallcroft Ghosts. Um, so she's definitely a comfort author for me. And uh, I'm also, for my physical book, reading a Creepover book right now. I've talked about the Creepover series a hundred thousand times on my channel. Um, it's a middle grade series and it revolves around usually a group of girls that are at a sleepover and spooky things happen in their stories and all of that. So, Oh my God, those all sound so good. I've had coats in my That's hand fine. so many times. So I'm glad you vouched for, I should yeah. pick up, you know, cause I'm like, Ooh, this is obviously a thing and I need to explore it. So I'm glad to, would yeah. you, what, what's a good starter one of hers? Uh, my favorite by her is um, The Haunting of Ashburn House is okay. really, really good. Thank you. Awesome. I love yeah. it. I love New Rex. And Appreciate I love a, a, a fellow uh, Polly Libri. You know, it's like I'm always in a relationship with like 10 books that it's oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that term. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's me too. I cheat on books all the time. Yeah. No, um, we're all in love. It's not cheating. We're all in love. Yes, we're all in love. Um, <laughs> So everything, everything is actually quite new for me, which is weird, but I'm uh, about halfway through the new Riley Sager book, The Only One oh, Left. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I started You're Not Supposed to Die Tonight by Kayla Bayron. Um, and it's uh, it's funny because Marissa and I had an idea very similar for of this for a movie a couple of years ago, a short film. But basically um, there's a camp it's a YA book. There's a camp where you go and you could have like your slasher fantasy where you stay overnight and you're, you know, hunted down by a slasher killer kind of thing. And they do this every summer and people come and pay for the experience to be in a slasher movie. Well, uh, some actual counselors start to die in real life. So mm. I'm only a couple chapters in. So we haven't really, there actually is two missing counselors, but they think they're just off 
you know, being young and in love. Exactly. So we don't really have any discoveries there. So, but so far it's very good. Yeah. I think it just came out a couple months ago. Um, the Riley Sager book that just came out that one, uh, I'm very much enjoying kind of Ooh. in the vein of the house across the lake. We have like kind of these two time perspectives happening during the book. Um, but it is, it is very, very good. It's, it's about a woman who in the twenties, um, was accused of murder her whole family's killed and she's the only one left alive and she's been accused of the murder she was a you know they never charged her but her whole life she's lived with the the stigma of she's you know everybody assumes like there's even a rhyme about her kind of like with lizzie borden um but then in the present day which i believe is we're in the 80s or the early 90s in this book there's a young woman that has to be her caretaker and we're kind of learning about everything that's happening so like i said about halfway through that book um and very much enjoying it so far nice. what was the camp one again um it's called you're not supposed to die tonight i'm just trying I, to I know, have all of these like yeah i know i'm writing them all down too <laughs> this is the worst addiction like book book nerds really get together is. like a book club is like an addicts meeting like oh what was that one i gotta get that one <laughs> I have like 10 things in my cart right now. Thanks to this call. <laughs> so yeah. like, I have to find all of these books now, especially for when you meet people you respect, you're like, yes. Oh my gosh. I love yeah. that book. I love that one. I, I can trust your reading habits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no, it's true. bad. The worst thing that's happened to me has been like Goodreads and Abe books because it's like, I can find everything right there. And then I go to Abe books and, you know, cause like I said, I'm the pretentious one that's like well I need the first edition like the vintage stuff it kills me because I'm like I want what I had when I was a kid same yeah. thing like with my with my board games Marissa knows I was just at Marissa's oh house the Don't other night I, my daughter's obsession with dream phone now is boundless I I have like a, an original <laughs> 1991 dream phone and I brought it and we were playing and, and yeah her youngest was like can we play again can we play again can we get it she's like is it on is it on timu can we get it and i was like it's on ebay it's about a hundred bucks and i was like look just call aunt jackie whenever you want to play it and <laughs> yeah. i'm coming over with it you know yeah because guess what i love it yeah there's no hundred dollar board game in her future so <laughs> but yeah all oh, that there's a there's again. so many vintage games like and yeah like they, you know, I have a newer version of Mall Madness, but like, I want the old version of Mall Madness. Like I want the one that said there was a sale in the kitchen store. I want, you know, that old, I have right now I'm watching a bid on this game called Ask Xandar. And it was like I a crystal ball and you ask him yes. questions oh and you wave God. your hands and he told, yeah, I, I don't even remember how to play, but like, Please I've, been watching, I've been watching, I've been watching that one. It. Yeah. Flash there's like facts. a, there's like a dating game, but it was like a VCR game that you played along. Cause we're trying to, we got to do our chores before we get to the party. It's yeah. I, I'm like, I have such a, the nostalgia thing is a problem for my wallet. So, you know, <laughs> I just watched a whole YouTube video where this woman had bought all of the Barbie dream houses, like since the sixties oh and put them I all together. I love watching that. Hope's go. I Sounds wasn't awesome. even, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> I'm not even like a Barbie person necessarily, but I get that kick of like wanting to see the nostalgic yeah, stuff that I remember fun. like friends having that I'm like, oh, this is so neat just to watch. Well, yeah. on that note, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to the Geekscape Network.